We're popping off here, ladies and gentlemen. Brand new week, fresh edition, new entertainment of shows on the hottest form of Alabama football talk. It's in my own words, with yours truly, your liaison of conversation, your tour guide for all things Crimson Tide football. I am Stephen M. Smith of Touchdown Alabama Magazine, live in studios. People, NCAA tournament is crazy. For the first time in my lifespan, not a true blue blood represented in the Final Four. Now, does everybody refer to Michigan State as a blue blood? If so, so be it. If not, because in my opinion, when I hear the term blue blood, I think of Kentucky, North Carolina, Kansas, Duke, Villanova, Gonzaga, UCLA, and none of those programs are represented in this year's Final Four of college basketball. The four teams, Michigan State, Texas Tech, Virginia, and Auburn. But even with that, it's not the focal point of conversation because the big stuff always resides in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. On last weekend, Nick Saban and the Crimson Tide took to Bryant-Denny Stadium for its first live-action scrimmage, the first exhibition of spring ball. And the media, Nick Saban does not like the media getting all of a scrimmage. We get five to eight minutes, people. Yes, yours truly, Stephen Smith, who works diligently hard to provide you the ever-so-loving consumer, fan, supporter of Crimson Tide football. All the news, notes, inside information, not even I, can get the whole scrimmage. Tried to bribe Coach Nick. Let me stop my line. I've never bribed that man. The bribes don't work. He ain't fooling with that. But, luckily, for the working media, even though we don't get a chance to see the entire scrimmage, there are those that do, and we get a chance to converse with them. We call those individuals sources and feeding us information that goes on within the live exhibition. And after talking to a number of guys inside the program that I know, I've come away with five takeaways, five nuggets from the first live scrimmage. Starting this off at number one, people, we go to the offensive side of the football at running back where we pick up Jerome Ford, redshirt freshman out of Seffner, Florida, former three-star, 2018 class. And we all know Najee Harris is dominant. We know Brian Robinson runs like an angry, mad, junkyard dog, possessed. And both young men are going to get the bulk of the carries in the upcoming season. Now, in my opinion, I feel as though Brian Robinson Jr. at some point may overtake Najee Harris. But hey, it can go either way. The reason why I brought Jerome Ford in the conversation is in the event that the two freshmen coming in this summer... Trey Sanders, five-star, Keegan Robinson, four-star. In the event that those two guys don't immediately pop, don't immediately stand out, don't immediately make an impact, do not have your finger on the panic button. The reason why, Jerome Ford is the real deal. As I saw people walking out of Brian Denny, I kept hearing, 
Man 27. Ooh, this number 27, my God. This number 27, he everywhere. He tough between the tackle. He can spin. He got speed. He can catch the football out the backfield. He's a great pass blocker. It's number 27. Where did we get this kid from? It's none other than Jerome Ford. I remember talking with former Alabama outside linebacker Jamie Mosley at the Orange Bowl in Miami Gardens, Florida during the media day session prior to Alabama facing Oklahoma. And he told me straight up, he said, Stephen, Jerome Ford is on the rise. He's surging. He's really good. He's really productive. Don't sleep on that kid. That kid can flat out work. And did that in the first scrimmage. Ran hard, ran tough, spin move, quick in the hole, got speed in the open space, soft hands, good in pass protection. If Trey Sanders and Keenan Robinson, excuse me, don't immediately pop, look for Jerome Ford. That kid is earning his due and that paycheck. So number one, Jerome Ford, the nugget, the takeaway I got from the first scrimmage. Moving on down to number two, Mac Jones got the most extensive work at quarterback. He's the guy that Nick Saban said behind Tua Tagovailoa has the most experience, can execute this offense the best behind Tua, and a guy that's going to get the opportunity to show what he can do. It's can he do it on a consistent basis. But despite the fact that Mac Jones is improving, he needs to keep his his foot on these young guys' neck. Why? Paul Tyson ain't no joke, and he's coming for him. And he's coming from and he's coming for him hard. Mac Jones had 50 pass attempts at the scrimmage. Extensive work. According to sources, the reps were divvied up like this. 90% of the reps with the ones and twos went between Tua Tonkavangoa and Mac Jones. The other 10% were divided up between Talia Tonkavangoa and Paul Tyson. And going in deeper inside the nuts and bolts here, Tua Tagovailoa had 10 drives, three touchdown passes in those 10 drives. Mac Jones had 10 drives. He had one touchdown pass in those possessions. Talia Tagovailoa had three drives, no scores, two three and outs, and a lost fumble. Paul Tyson had one drive, y'all. One drive. Took the team down the field and fired a dart to true freshman wide receiver John Mechie for a touchdown that had fans inside Brian Denny dropping their jaw. If you don't remember the podcast I put out a couple of months back on Paul Tyson, check out the Touchdown Alabama Magazine YouTube archives. Check it out because I mentioned how Paul reminds me of four professional National Football League quarterbacks Tom Brady, Drew Brees, Ben Roethlisberger, Phillip Rivers. It's 6'5", 220 pounds. Paul Tyson's got a big-time arm. He can process that information at an elite, efficient level. And this kid, bigger than the name of being Paul Bear Bryant's great-grandson, this kid can flat-out ball. One possession, took the team down the field, tossed for a touchdown, 
if I'm Mac Jones, Saban's giving you every opportunity to be the number two guy. He is improving, but he's got to keep his foot on the gas and keep his foot on Paul Tyson's neck because that young man is coming, coming in hot. That's number two on my nuggets here. Mac Jones improving, but Paul Tyson right there behind him in terms of being that number two guy there. Sticking with the offensive side of the football as we go to number three nugget from the first scrimmage. Wide receiver John Mechie. I brought him up earlier, but true freshman wide receiver John Mechie. People, I understand as fans, you say you don't like to compare different players. You don't, you don't like you don't like to compare players from different teams in Alabama, but we do it all the time. And sometimes it's become so engraved within our nature that we subconsciously do it. For example, we often compare a lot of times Jerry Judy to Calvin Ridley and Amari Cooper. Don't mean to do it, but subconsciously we do it. We compare Najee Harris to Derrick Henry. Derrick Henry big, Najee Harris big. Derrick Henry five-star, Najee Harris five-star. Even though Najee is nowhere near Derrick's level, we like to make that comparison. Even right now, we're comparing Talia Tungabangoa to Tua. Tua was good. Tua was great. Tua in one year put up all of these numbers. If Talia is half as good as Tua is, look at this. I like to make those comparisons. And uh, even with the players, some of the players refer to themselves as father and son. If you don't believe me, check out the relationship that Mac Jones and Damian Harris had. At the same time, I remember Ryan Anderson, outside linebacker, and one of my good friends, former scout team defensive back, Blaine Anderson, both of those two referred to each other as father and son. So what I'm saying here, in terms of Calvin Ridley, who Alabama graduated to the National Football League this fall, he will enter his second year with the Atlanta Falcons. If Calvin Ridley had... A long-lost brother, a long-lost twin, a long-lost cousin, or in the father-son turn, a long-lost son from Canada, John Mechie would be Calvin Ridley's Canadian son. Why do I say this? Check this out. Calvin Ridley is about 6 feet, 6'1", 190 pounds. John Mechie, 6 feet, 195, according to RoadTide.com. So the same body structure. Calvin Ridley wore number three during his career at Alabama. Last year in 2018, nobody wore that number. This year in spring ball, guess who's rocking number three? John Mechie. Also, in terms of the hands, the route running, the speed, the intelligence, some of the very same traits that made Calvin Ridley special, John Mechie has those self same traits. I have watched this young man in practice. He's got hands. He's got speed. He's snatching balls. He's running precise routes. He's tight roping the sideline. He's got some keen, keen intelligence. John Mechie is exploding in spring ball. According to sources, he caught two touchdown passes in 
the scrimmage over the weekend. Now, this upcoming year will not be his year just due to all the guys ahead of him, right? Judy, Ruggs, Devontae Smith, Jalen Waddle, you know, all the guys ahead of him. But with Alabama projected to have Judy, Ruggs, and Smith all project all go first round to the 2020 venue next season the 2020 year in the fall that will be the time that will be the year for Mechie but this guy underrated talent recruiting tape did not hit the big scene until late in the process Bama fans we remember the last person that was underrated whose recruiting tape didn't hit the scene to the last minute a guy by the name of Josh Jacobs out of Tulsa, Oklahoma, former three-star in 2016. We got Bama got him. Hey, hey, he turned out pretty good, more than pretty good. Guys projected to be a first-round pick. So, John Mechie, underrated guy, coming out of Canada, having a big, big spring. May not do much this year, but next year, watch that kid. Big-time playmaker. We finally flipped the defense for my fourth nugget from the uh, spring scrimmage. And it's at the inside linebacker position. Who is going to help Dylan Moses? As influential as Dylan is, as enthusiastic as Dylan is, as energetic as Dylan is, who is going to help the young man that finished the 2018 season with 86 tackles to lead the team, 10 tackles for loss among team leaders, three and a half sacks among team leaders, and was a finalist for the Dick Buckus Award. Who is going to help Dylan Moses? Because Alakejo, true sophomore, good, but doesn't have a lot of experience at linebacker. Josh McMillan, redshirt senior, old guy on the team, but doesn't have... A lot of player doesn't have a lot of playing experience to his own right. You got Jalen Moody, another young guy, sophomore. Markel Benton, redshirt sophomore, that's got a lot of talent. But according to people I talk to, at times just goes through the motions. And then you got Shane Lee, a freshman, that's going to be really good. He has to just continue processing the system under inside linebackers coach and defensive coordinator Pete Golding. So, who can be the guy that Nick Saban, who can be the guy that Pete Golding, who can be the guy that you, the fans, trust to stand alongside Dylan Moses and help this young man get this Alabama defense where it needs to be from an inside linebacker perspective? That's a big question. I hope it's Alakejo. Would not be surprised if it's Joshua McMillan or Jalen Moody, especially after Nick Saban talked about how we got to get guys trained up there. We got to clean up the mental errors. We got to clean up some issues. We, we got to get some depth and some consistency at that spot. Outside linebackers played well in the first scrimmage, but my number four takeaway is who can be the guy that can step up be in pocket with to help Dylan Moses. My guys, Alan Cahill, we'll see what happens. Last but not least, nugget here from the first scrimmage, Alabama secondary. Charles Kelly has his, has his work cut out for him 
and trying to get this group back to play at that no fly zone elite level. I was told no interception was forced, no turnover was created by the secondary in the first live exhibition. And this is shocking to me because normally you would at least see one, if not more, at least one pick, at least one pick six, at least one turnover created by the secondary in a scrimmage. It's happened in previous years. So for this to be the first year to where the secondary did not make itself known and creating the turnover, big kind of a surprise there. But Charles Kelly, guys were cut out for him. Defensive coordinator at Florida State from 2014 to 17, coming over from the Tennessee Volunteers under Jeremy Pruitt's staff, 20-plus years of experience calling defenses and running defensive backs, and you got all the talent in the world on that side of the ball, ranging from Patrick Sertan II to Xavier McKinney. Charles Kelly, you're getting paid $800,000. Let's see what you do with this secondary, but that group has got to come up. Running back through these again, my five nuggets takeaways from the first scrimmage. Jerome Ford, number one at running back. That kid's the real deal. Watch him. Number two, Mac Jones, improving at quarterback. But if he wants to hang on to that number two position, got to keep his foot on the neck of Paul Tyson because that kid is surgeon. Number three, wide receiver Jamechi exploding in spring ball. Had two touchdown catches in the first scrimmage. 2019 may not be his year. 2020 will be his year. Number four, who is going to help Dylan Moses, an inside linebacker? My chips are stacked to Brandon Alakejo. We'll see what happens. Number five, Charles Kelly. Get that secondary in order, man. You're getting paid $800,000. The ball is in your court. Taking our first break here on In My Own Words. As always, you check out the Touchdown Alabama Magazine app. Download it. iPhone App Store, Google Play Store. Hottest piece of technology you can get your hands on. As we give you the best in all things Crimson Tide news, notes, information. Also, check out the podcast links as they're on the bottom of the screen. We return, we dive in to that five-man battle at free safety that I've been talking about for a minute. Who takes the job? We'll get into it on the other side of the break. It's in my own words. Coming back. 